We're ready for the next patient. Welcome to the BL Clinic. My name is Sister Unity. I'm one of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Hello, I'm Jose, or Dr. Jose. Since this clinic needed a doctor, and I was the closest thing. I'm a fish doctor. The two of us are fans of the BL genre. Known as shonen ai in Japan, and boys love in English-speaking countries, BL is a genre from Asia that has been growing popularity in the last couple of years. So in this podcast, we will be giving diagnosis, prescriptions, and prognosis for BL series. We are two gay men with a penchant for male-male love stories. So join us as we explore the world of BL and as we tease apart and analyze BL series from a unique queer-centric perspective. Okay, so hello, hello. And hello, welcome. hello. Yes, and welcome to another podcast. I know it's been, it's been like what two weeks, maybe one week. Last time we we got together to do this, I don't know. I don't know. I've been frozen in ice in the Arctic after I uh, ditched a, a Nazi warplane. Oh really? Here is. I'm sorry. The... I'm sorry. That's a totally different genre. That's superhero movie. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I was gonna say if you refer to it being cold over there where you are at, here it's warm. And actually, we had our first day of the winter where we actually had a really warm day. It was like seventy. I think it was seventy. 70 or 75. I think it was 75. Are you kidding me? I know. I, as, you, as you know, I'm spending time with my sister in New York, and it has been in the 40s today. The highest we have had in the last three weeks was, I think, 60 degrees over the weekend. Wow. Wow. No, it's it's crazy here. It's it's been warm, and then now it's cold. So, you know, now finally we're getting, we're getting some cold. So, Anyway, well, uh, I think the first thing I wanted to do today was to just comment on some of the comments that we got from the episode that we did earlier. So The one that was about sex yes. in BLs. And thank you so much to so many of you who wrote very thought out, well analyzed, well observed comments. Yes, and I'd like to start with one of those, Dr. Hernandez, who, you know, is, is somebody who I frequently consult with. Yes, he's our visiting consulting physician. Yes, and he said that if we're talking about the first instance of like heavy sex and making out in BL, we have to consider together with me, Max and Tool. Yes. So that that was, I mean, and that that's fair. I mean, I, I think it's a good point, you know, so it really predates Love by Chance by at least maybe a couple of months, because I think they both aired the same year. Well, now, here's the thing. Um, it does. It, that is definitely true. I would say that their sexuality uh, forwarded the story, and that the difference for me is that though they did uh, have more involved sex scenes, they were the first to have really involved sex scenes, but I think that Love by Chance was the first one where there were questions of gratuitousness. Yes, so I, I that's true. We're addressing two different things, right? But I think I may have said something about, you know, that being the first instance of like seeing this kind of heavy making out. And I think in that sense, I was wrong. And, well, it's good that yeah. we have Dr. Hernandez to help us with that. Oh, yeah, after he's all, great. You always want to have a neurologist on your staff. He's our <laughs> resident neurologist because well, he's got some nerve. Well, and he's also very good with all the Japanese stuff. So I always ask him questions. So he's definitely somebody that I consult with frequently. The other thing that, that was brought up by a couple of people was this idea that making out 
in heterosexual lacorns or lacoons, if we compare those making out scenes, I mean, they, they do have them, right? So it's unfair to say, well, we don't need them in BL. I appreciate the point that people made that if the straight dramas have making out and sex scenes, that it is uh, completely fair that BLs should be allowed to have that and should have that. And I agree. And I really appreciate the, the notes and the calls for equality in that way, in, in this medium. Given that, I would say I personally don't like how much over-sexuality there is in straight dramas. And it's the point that we were talking about in the podcast. If there is some sex that furthers the story or that furthers the journey of the characters and the arc that their character takes during the journey of the story, then great, include it, it's important. But if it's gratuitous because, as many producers do, they spice things up for the sake of spicing them up because they think that sex sells and they think that will make their series more popular, or other nefarious reasons why they want to put sex and have these cute actors perform these scenes, um, I, I don't like it at all. I think you can tell the difference. I can tell the difference. Uh, I know that when I'm sitting there and I'm watching a scene like with Tool and Corn, that it furthers the story. And I think like, oh my God, look at the depths of their, their relationship has gone to now. Look at how they've progressed. This is so beautiful. My heart's touched. Versus other ones, uh, maybe like in... Um, why are you where I'm sitting there? I'm like, okay, this has nothing to do with the character's arc. They've already had sex. This is like their third sex scene. Uh, this is not telling me anything new. And I'm kind of feeling embarrassed that the actors have been forced to go through this, uh, you know, sensing that it's for the producer's sake or something like that. So in straight dramas, I feel that's just as true. And certainly living and working in Hollywood. Um, I know for a fact that, that, that people put those scenes in. I mean, what is the name? Joel Esterhaus, who did uh, the, the movie Showgirls, which is f nefarious for the gratuitous sex scenes just because they thought that some guys would get off on seeing that kind of movie. Yes, so, and it, it's one of those things. It reminds me of what you said. It's like, when you think about it, what was that movie about? I don't remember. You know, old people remember he's talking about, yeah, it had sex scenes. So, like, they really didn't tell a story that was compelling enough. Right. Is it a story of the relationship has gotten to the point where their physicality becomes the expression of their love, or is it just boobs? Yes. And in that case, it was it was just boobs. And... It was boobs. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of boobs. Boobs in but, Vegas. It's a I, new movie. Boobs in Vegas. So I have one last thing to say about this. So so kind of kind of going in the same kind of um, what you were saying, you know, that the yes, you you made the comparison with with. Why are you? And I think it's important to note, kind of made like a little note, you know, on our chart here that Yaoi is the beginnings of Yaoi, right? The, the, the yeah. roots of, of BL is, is Yaoi. And Yaoi this is, is, a good point. is basically just people Cartoon hooking up sex. and, you know, it's just gratitude sex. Yeah, it's just gratitude romance or sex. I mean, they hook up just for hooking up. You're and, right. And, and it, we've said this before, there is such a strange magic, but there's a difference between the printed page and live action with real actors, which looks so much more realistic. Something doesn't translate well from one to the other. Yes. And I, and I think the other thing is that I think Jaoi has evolved and it has given us Thai BL, right? And, and I think we, the people that are BL fans, we like BL. 
because, and, and then th I was going to tie this up back to the comment about equality, right? As BL fans, we're going to be uh, with this expectation that we're going to watch stories, and those stories are going to be the same stories that heterosexual people have watched for years and years and years, and we're going to get to watch those stories, but we're going to get to watch same-sex couples in those same, same type of settings, same types of stories, and I think that's what makes BL great. That's why I watch BL. My thank, my thanks to the, uh, my thanks to the listener who made that note on Facebook. Yes, I mean there were various people that make that that specific comment about equality. Next, so we're not bringing in a patient, though we might see a patient. Our we are always as patients, right? But we have a topic that is, I think, very relevant. And something that we haven't really touched on yet. Yes, that's right. The clinic has discovered a new bacteria that we are currently studying, and we invite you to look down the lens of our microscope. And you can take that any way you want. And this <laughs> new bacteria is called Fear of Sex. That's right. We want to do the flip side of our earlier podcast about wanton sexuality and talk about this phenomenon that has existed for really since the beginning of BL, as I recall them, or at least as I started them with Make It Right in 2016. And that is when characters display a genuine shyness, fear, avoidance, or negative reaction to sex or even just kisses. And we'd like to discuss several categories of when this happens, uh, when it happens organically and it is supported by this story and it's plausible and when it doesn't make any sense and we're wondering why is that in there why are they making these characters react this way and we're sure that you will have comments about that and we look forward to reading on on facebook uh what your comments will be uh and then we'll take a few other takes on it doctor would you like to begin with your diagnosis yes so my thought is let's let's go back to the very beginning so so you and i were talking about this and you recommend that I, that I watch Takumi-kun. What are your yes. thoughts on kind of, because Takumi-kun really sets, right? It sets the, the stage for Beyond. This is something that, again, Dr. Hernandez had commented on earlier too, that, you know, you have to look at Takumi-kun, right? To, to see how it influences Tai Beyond, right? So what are, what are your thoughts? I haven't made it to, to the fifth movie. I've only watched the first. I didn't really see that fear of sex from the Uke, though the Uke had a reason to fear Tosh, right? So the Uke feared people touching him, right? So there was an actual fear there, but it wasn't specific to sex. To me, it was more general. And, and you know, there was a reason that, that it was, I should say, there was a reason that it, that it centered around affection. And I don't want to give anything about, about Takumi-kun, but what are your thoughts on that? I think it's really rather brilliant of you to, to start there. I think it set a lot of precedents. And importantly, I, I'm going to chastise you, doctor, for uh, having escaped the laboratory before <laughs> you finished your research. Yeah. I need you to go back to that Petri dish and, uh, and watch episodes two through five because they are completely uh, different casts and the director has a completely different tone. Watchers of Thai BLs will feel an affinity with the tone of the first one. 
uh, but it changes a lot and becomes much more like a Japanese series than uh, a Thai series uh, mm -hmm. in two through five. It is almost a poetic, lyrical, even wistful, certainly melancholy tone as opposed to the kind of high energy, boppy, funny sound effects uh, that the first one had and that Thai BLs have. Yeah. So uh, what I'm, my comments that I'm going to say now uh, really come out of watching the secondary cast about it. Uh, Mao play, replaces the uh, sort of t tall, thin, elven actor named uh, whose nickname is Mao. So I'll call him Mao. Plays ta uh, Takumi uh, of the title character Takumi, um, and. Uh, uh, he replaces the sort of cherubic round-faced actor of the first series. And he is a far more sensitive actor. And you'll love this. There are so many times when the director takes advantage of just how he looks and the look in his eye. And he can melt you and melt his uh, uh, opposing male lead uh, with just a look in, the, in, in these magical eyes that he has. Mm -hmm. And you're right. He has a, a, a real sensitivity about sex. Uh, I'm going to give away some story points here. I, I, they're not spoilers for the episodes, uh, for the storyline, but they are important. So don't skip over a few minutes if you don't want to know these. Well, but remember, and I haven't watched either. <laughs> Two, three, four, well, five. well to, should I not it. spoil it for you? <laughs> no, you can yeah, go you're ahead. You're right. It's yeah. pertinent to our conversation. <laughs> yes. And now let's move on completely from talking about it. La, 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 la. <laughs> um, he, okay, well, I'll say it this way. He has a very important reason why he is shy of sex. I think you already saw it. There's a plot point about, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, his, about his brother uh, in the first one. It's in yes, the first one, yeah. so you've seen that. So, it's in his, so they redo that in the other one, but they go much more deeply into it and much more deeply into how that uh, thing that happened with his brother affects him and affects his response to sex to physical affection and even to just touch from anyone else like a hand on the shoulders yeah but but the point is that that the uke here right the uke which is takumi yeah. that he actually has a reason to fear to fear yes human interaction let's say touch right affection yes. is not just He's not just fearing sex. I mean, sex is part of that, right? And it, there is a reason, and the reason is integral to the story, the development of the character, the, the character's arc, the whole story centers around, right? So, yes. Yeah. Both the sex and the fear of sex are integral parts of the story and its progression. You're right. So, the problem, right, with, with Thai BLs is that it often, we often see this fear, but it's not something that really is part of the story, right? So for example, I'll give you an example, like a really early example, which is in Lovesick. In Lovesick, No continuously pushes Poon and like tells him, no, let's just not do this or, you know, let's not hug. Like he he sort of acts annoyed sometimes when Poon wants to hug him or tells him that he loves him, right? If you remember. Yes. And then we yes. see this. We see this in other stories, right? In in other in other series. So it is very common that the it's usually the uke that really resents or just does not want or seems completely disinterested yes. in sex. Yes, that's right. And it's part of directors and authors um, giving us some uh, romantic tension between the semi and the uke uh, by having the uke be like, no, no, stop, don't, no. <laughs> uh, and while that is, you know, I get what that sort of is supposed to give for sexual tension, but it's it's just so many times it's just so not plausible to me and it makes no and certainly with bls here's the thing here's the thing women are socially coded by our patriarchal society to be virginal 
mm-hmm. and to be whores. They <laughs> and, <laughs> and how they find the balance of when and where just drives women bananas, and it's part of the feminist critique of our society. It's just it's completely unfair. Like women are supposed to split themselves to being virgins in public and whores in the bedroom with one specific man who has declared his ownership, something yeah. like that. It's it's schizophrenic making. With BLs, we're talking about same-sex relationships. And gay men, I'm sorry. They know gay men in high school who's turning down a kiss, a, a hand on the ass, or, or full-on sex. I'm sorry, that's just not happening in a hormonal gay teenager. Yes. And now, of course, there are exceptions to the rule, but by and large, it always perplexes the crap out of me remembering my own teen years. And I'm like, really? Really? You're like, there's no one looking and you don't want him to kiss you. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you sure that's a gay character? When in the case of Lovesick, I thought No was straight because he had that behavior with his short cropped hair and his reticent, uh, quiet demeanor. The added thing of being shy of the sex made me think, oh, he's actually really straight and he has to come to terms with whether or not he wants to have love feelings with Poon. Yes, and it's kind of funny because I think in the when you look at the actual at the actual novel, I feel like to me No comes out as as being gay, but he doesn't know he's gay. But you're right, in this series, people could watch this series and think that, oh, No is in love with Yuri. And I, I, I have seen people call Yuri like No's girlfriend, but that's not No's girlfriend. It is just a girl that likes him and he is nice to her you know so people get really confused with this and and i think you mean is that true in the series as well as the novel or just in the novel it's it is true in the novel that yuri is a girl that he that he wants to be his girlfriend but he is not interested in her and he oh i totally thought they were total boyfriend and girlfriend in the series certainly in season one no, but I will tell you this: there is a, uh, one scene in the in the novel where No and Poon go out to eat, and and No, who's relating this story because this story is usually from No's point of view, he's like checking these girls out, and he makes some comments about it. And in the real universe, the couples are really not gay. They're supposed to be like in an ideal right. world, BL is supposed to be about, and, and I kid you not, it's about straight men. Falling in love with all in love with each other, yes, yeah. and and seeing straight and women having the titillating opportunity to see straight men play their social roles exactly. in a relationship, and that's what I was then going to bring this up now is what we're seeing with these the Uka reticence. What we're seeing is is that we're bringing these heteronormative values, this like mold yes. of heteronormativity of what a relationship should be like. There should be a pursuer, which is the, the Seme, and there should be somebody pursued, which is the Uke. And that's why it plays that way. So so the Seme is always pursuing the Uke. That's why I always tell people, like, in Taibiel, you can always tell there's a Seme and an Uke. And that's like, even in in uh, Bad Body, which people are saying, oh, you know, Alf doesn't want to have like a semi and an uke, and so he's like trying to play with you a little bit and like play, trying to play with some of the some of the stereotypes. It's like no, you can tell, you can tell who's the uke yeah. and who's the semi. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear. Yeah, but in any event, I mean, yeah, when you when you're talking about this dynamic, it is present in all of the tibials that we watch, and so there is always some degree that the uke 
pushes back when the when the Samuel wants to to be with and him. plays the socially coded as you're saying plays the socially yeah. coded role of the female in society which is no no I'm a virgin I can't openly want to have sex with you though once we're in private and the relationship is established I'm I'm going to open like a can of tuna yes it's kind of a brilliant thing that you you brought up I think because that's precisely one of the things about that I remember reading about uh of of rape in novels, mm. right? And I read this like some like somebody else wrote this, somebody that knows way more about fiction and female writers. But basically, women have this this issue, right? That you're talking that you addressed before, this dichotomy. They have to be pure and virginal, but they also they have desires, they want to have sex. And so a lot of times the way this is resolved in novels is that the male is the one that approaches the female. And he pushes her like to have sex forcefully so that then she has sex with him. And that's that's how they resolve that issue. So that the woman is not seen as doing something out of her free will. I want to have sex with you. Yes, let's have premarital sex. So this ties to this idea of why the uke has this reticence. It, it is a reflection of how women perceive themselves in like what would be... If this had been a novel with a male and a female and it's written by a woman... The UK is playing that role, and that's why we also see a lot of, of uh, rape in Tagiel and a lot of non-consensual sex, because we need to... I, I want to differentiate, even though they're really the same thing, but I think people know that there's like a nuance there between... There is these instances where we see that they have... Maybe, usually it's the same, right? The same will have sex with the Uke when the Uke f- maybe fell asleep or is drunk. And there is also instances where they the Wisemi will have sex with the Uke completely forcefully, physically forcing himself, right? And we have seen that in a couple of, of uh, series. I think it's supposed to be a, like a bodice ripper. You know, the romance novels in uh, in the West, certainly in America, those cheesy romance novels yes. that are cranked out by the thousands where the woman is, you know, in her corset and her breast is heaving yes. with passion. And she's like, no, no. And then the man, you know, the dashing young Heathcliff comes and rips her bodice open, revealing her naked breast and blah, blah, blah. And it's supposed to be like this romantic sexual fantasy for women that stirs them and blah, blah, blah. So that gets translated into Yaoi, which then gets translated onto the screen. But on screen, it just looks like rape in a book, in a graphic novel. It reads differently because you it's it's so non-figurative, non-realistic, non-photographic that your imagination gets that you're in a world of fantasy. But when you're looking at actual people portraying it on a screen, it's too real and it looks like rape. It could also be that, that the reason we, we think that it could be A, because we're seeing it, but also because when you are getting into the head of the okay or into the head of the female you might see that she wants right she wants this to happen and i don't say that saying like oh rape is okay what i'm saying is again remember this is how this problem of the virginal female is resolved right how the okay who who's who's like straight is gonna have sex with a man and still retain right. that virginity. It crosses the threshold for him. It, it yeah. pulls him, is pulls the bodice of his heterosexuality open to reveal the heaving breasts of his passion for yes. another man. So, so it's kind of the same thing, right? So when we're talking about at least these novels, where I think this sort of dynamic originates, the female might kind of give you a hint 
that she wants it, but the author is not going to put it there because the author has to be careful as not to show the female as being, like you say, a whore. So, and and I say that, I mean, I don't believe it, but what I'm saying is this is what, what the idea is, right? So you're you're putting this there, but I think, yeah, when you read it, it might read differently. When you see it, you cannot see what she's thinking, and so you are left with what you're witnessing, which which can be pretty bad. That's and, right. On the page, uh, in a graphic novel, you can write her inner monologue uh, in a in a thought balloon. And in the novel, certainly, it's all about what's going on in her head while it's happening. And so you can tip the cards. You can see what you can see behind the scenes that she really does want it. And you're like, oh, okay, it's consensual. But you're right. In in in, in a series, you're not you don't you're not privy to the inner monologue you you know when tarn is <laughs> raping type uh with a forced blowjob in the shower you don't have that balloon above his head saying i'm saying no no but oh my god wouldn't it be so wonderful if he went down on me like that's not there all you see is him going no 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 and then tarn goes down on him and you're like okay somebody call the police yeah and we see that with with uh noam poon right so in the novel, which is the one that I have read and, and I'm more familiar with, there is a lot of instances where Poon initiates sex. And, and Noah at first will say, oh, no, this guy wants this and blah, blah, that's blah. Why his then, name, that's why his name is No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he says, oh, you know, this guy wants this, blah, blah, blah. But then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he says, oh, when he kisses me, I feel this energy. I feel this thing in my body and, you know, I can't stop it. You know, so like... It's like these novels that you're saying, like with the, you know, the male kissing the female and, you know, he may initiate that, but then the female might say, oh, you know, I can feel it on my body, you know, I can feel my toes curling, you know, and all this. So it is very similar. And actually we see it in, in Sotus where they don't have sex in, in the first season, right? But they kiss, but even before they kiss, remember how... Artid was tormented, like he wasn't sure if he was straight or gay. He had that yes. had reticence in another form. In the other form that Uke would have it is that he has this resistance, not about having sex, but even about accepting the love that he that he's like you said that he's receiving from the semi, but also the love that he has for the semi. So you think that Kung Pop is a semi? Yeah, Kung Pop is the semi. Yes. Oh my god! A lot I of people didn't know that. Completely fell yes. the other way. Yeah, I completely I think that Artit is the semi. There is and I acknowledge at the that. same time that they do some role reversal. Yes, but the so I think is... it's debatable. Well, uh, Kung Pop does the, the the pursuing. Remember, Kung Pop is the one that likes Artit, and he's the one that you know is checking Artit all the time. Like I don't even remember that. Yeah, they but were he doesn't from... have that tsundere thing that the semis usually have. Because he doesn't he... have the. Yeah, because he's, 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 he has to pursue he has to pursue Arthit and pull him on top of him as though he's making him be the semi. He kind of, but like the other thing is that that Kompop is younger, and normally the you know normally the semi is older, so that's like the other the other that's dynamic what I'm there. And usually that's the what I'm the semi is is the one in power, right? And and Arthit is the senior, but it's it you know he's in got, power, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, in terms of, like, the, the dynamics they have, so the, the pursuing dynamics, so, so it is Compop who pursues Artit, pursues Artit, and it is Compop that does all the things that we associate with a, a semi. So he's the one that feeds Artit. I don't that's... know. I don't think he pursues him the way that a semi pursues an uke. I think he pursues him like an uke pursuing a semi. 
Well, we, we need to talk about this in another uh, uh, podcast, but... but it but is a different what, topic. Yes. Yeah, but what I was going to say is that, that you see that, that reticence, again, you don't see it with Kung Pop, you see it with... You do see it with Artie, and you see this, this torment that he has. Like, he doesn't know what to do, you know? Who should... Who, who, oh, should he date a, a yes. girl? Or this? But in this yeah. case, it's not a reticence about sex as sex. It's a reticence about homosexuality because he thinks he's straight. So it, it makes a lot of sense. It's perfectly appropriate. But it's not this weird relationship of this this weird sort of virginality and morality that uh, Thai, I don't know, Thai authors, Thai, Thai directors, or Thai society, I don't know who it is injects into these stories. The best example and the worst example of this that I can think of is from Until We Meet Again, where Fluke's character is PD, like the like everyone kids that series about how yeah. many times Fluke says PD. Mm-hmm. Well half of the time he's saying it, he's saying it while pushing PD away because PD is being affectionate and he's being like, no, stop, you're gonna give me a hickey. Stop, you're kissing <laughs> Ew, stop it. And it's this weird, like, I'm so pure, I'm so virginal and delicate, so sex is definitely not something that I should be experiencing right now uh, attitude. And I'm sitting there watching the thing, and I'm like, what is the point? Like, if I were Dean, I'd be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you have a negative attitude about sex. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to go date someone else. You can, the whole past life thing, you can just figure <laughs> out yourself. Bye. Well, you know, but but this is new. And new did it also in Love by Chance, because if you remember, you know, there was, I mean, like, there is no more, to me, the poster child for Uke virginity has to be I, yeah. Okay. No, Pete. Uh, Pete, yeah. Well, it's sort of. So, I mean, they write it that way, but the way Saint acted it, it's like he Wanted he was it. bonable from the word go. <laughs> he was he was a virgin technically, and you know, behaved prop and prim and proper, but everything behind Saint Saint's eyes were like, I am a marshmallow, and you should push a carrot into me. <laughs> Well, I would say like that to me, you know, when we're talking about this idea of, you know, the virginal, like uh, the the woman who, who's like balancing, like you said, between sexual, I mean, sexual needs is what I would say. And this, this idea that a woman should be virginal and how we see that in, in uh, written novels. I think to me, Pete is like the poster child for that, right? Pete, Pete is so like virginal looking but at the same time like you said i mean he's like a lion waiting to be let out of his cage he, so, so you had a second example right so you you gave the example of you w uh, you until we meet again as as an example where that happens what is the example where it doesn't yes. happen good question but let me i, I want to go into a little bit about the, the worst case scenario which uh, for me was uh, until we meet again yeah okay Luke's character's that, yeah. name is parm uh, and of course, if anyone who watched it will remember immediately that his love interest is Pideen. And Parm is constantly pushing Pideen away from kisses, affection, uh, and sexuality. Now, Korn and Intouch, uh, their characters played by Earth and Cow, in their past lives were deeply in love, sexually in love, and very affectionate. And they did not have that shyness. So 
while it was charming on fluke you know for the first few episodes where he did that it for me it didn't make sense in the story arc because the their their previous life so much had carried over like why now is he all of a sudden virginal and the other thing was i couldn't find any cause in the story for why he would be behaving that way it was as though watching the series we the audience were supposed to agree understand and have grown up knowing that sex is not to, not okay, not to be done until you're married or you're an adult or some Victorian thing, and that it was perfectly natural and appropriate for him to be rolling his eyes while smirking and saying, P. Dean, like, why are you, don't do that, he, 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 while Dean is being a little bit of a rapscallion by pushing the sexual boundaries a little bit, when his behavior was actually perfectly normal in most societies for a teenager or a college student to be engaging in. And that's the thing where I just shake my head and I wonder who is doing this and why, like, what are they thinking? And I wonder if it is going back to our, uh, what we were saying earlier, it is the social coding for women that is resisting sex as though you're being good, as though resisting sex is good. Uh, as though there's some call to morality. And that's a thing that I find weird. And I don't blame the authors as using it as a device or a trick or something. I just think it's out of some part of society. Maybe it's Thai society. I don't know. But it just rings weird and, and to me, unlifelike. I don't know gay characters who behave that way when they're in high school and college. Yeah. So then you asked, uh, where, do, where, is it, uh, where is it good? Where does it make sense? Yes. Like, where, where is the other um, example you have that's opposite of that? Or not opposite, yeah, but just so where it the, doesn't happen. Where, where, oh, where it doesn't happen even. I, I think Bad Buddy, uh, you know, it's not over yet, so, uh, but we've gone through the first half of what of the episodes we're going to get. So we've seen the stage where sex would be not open and enjoyed freely. And I don't see any of that pushing away. I mean, any of the pushing away that happens is because of the storyline, because they're supposedly antagonistic from families that hate each other. That's the only context in which they push each other away. But now they, we're two episodes past the point where they've declared their love and that they've decided to be in a relationship. And they don't show the sex, uh, but we know that Pat has been sleeping over. As, the la as of episode eight, we know that Pat's sleeping over at Pran in Pran's room every night. Um, and we, it's not said whether they have, are having sex or not, so it's up to us to assume. But I got to think they're in the bed close to each other, boyfriends. If this were the United States, there'd be sex going on every night. Uh, not only that, but they, uh, you know, they're so, also saying, calling themselves boyfriends. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, maybe we're seeing a little bit of the reticence, uh, the, the shyness and reticence in that we don't know whether they're having sex. The series isn't saying so. So they're kind of leaving it out for what? The propriety of Thai society? For the censors? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'd like, I'd like to know. If anyone knows, please leave it in the comments. But if this were an American series, I think it would be presumed that they're sleeping over. They're at least making out. Yeah, but very heavily making out. Yeah. <laughs> the bed sheets are covered in saliva yes <laughs> well you know and for me i would say examples of that that i can think of you know I, I had a hard time thinking about examples where it doesn't happen i think where it happens i mean there's plenty of examples i don't know that any of them is is like an extreme but i would say i mean we see it in in almost every series the one to be notable exception where it doesn't happen well first of all let me say 
the 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 ones where it happens and it bothered me a lot, I would say Two Moons, Two Moons Two, which is the one I watch. I haven't watched Two Moons yet, but Two Moons yeah. Two, it bothered me. It bothered me to some degree in Waterboy this series. Mm. It didn't bother me in the movie as much because I think in the movie there was a reason for it, and there was yeah, a real no, it didn't, reticence. I didn't, but yeah. That's correct. That's correct. In the movie, there, there if if there was a little bit of pushback, it had a reason. There was a reason. Yes, there was no pushback because sex is sex and shouldn't be done by college-aged boys. There was none of that in the movie. Yeah, and then I would say in Tong Hon Shon Lati, it, it it bothered me because. What, one of the things I like about Tom Hong Sean Lati is that the Uke has more agency than like the regular Uke, right? So mm-hmm. in the case of Sean Lati, Sean Lati, right? Sean, I, want, I don't want to get it wrong, Sean. but yeah, Sean, yeah, Sean is the Uke, and he he has, I mean, he he has agency, he has interest in the guy, he he almost pursues the guy, like it all, it almost flips the formula over. And it really leaves you thinking that maybe Sean is Sean should be the the semi. But when it comes to to the sex scenes, right, to the to the bad scenes, you can see that there is that reticence of the uke. So that's when you can see the uke behavior, right? And it, I, I think yeah. it bothered me because I don't think it fit the character. Hey, and he was very openly and comfortably gay. Yeah, I would think when the door is closed, that's the kind of guy that's gonna like jump on on his guy. Yeah, it, it would have fulfilled yeah. his dreams. Yeah, he would have been a, he would have like been a blob absorbing. Yeah, Tohan's naughty bits yes <laughs> so that bothered me yes it, it was it was perhaps i think you're right it was perhaps the second most egregious example of giggle giggle no we can't have sex that would be wrong but also because it contradicted the character so so i think it was really yes. annoying me in that sense now an example where it didn't i have i had a surprising one you know and, and i talked to you about this earlier and you know it it just came to me because I was trying to think like, well, what's a good example of of one where it doesn't happen? And I think the one that I can think of is my tea. And the reason is that, I mean, if you look at my tea, right, the seme is T, right, who's played by Frank. And the uke is supposed to be Drake. And just like in Tonghan, right, the uke here, it, it's a little bit more, I would say, proactive in his pursuit and the uke here actually is curious about sex uh, do you remember my tea yes so you remember earl that yeah, yeah you like earl gray right that's your tea yeah <laughs> like in my tea like the the uke is actually curious about sex that's like the whole point about it's a very important plot point that mark is actually curious about with uh, or not about sex but he's curious about i mean he's got partner. to be yeah he, yeah he sells porn yeah and he's curious so he he like lifts i think he touches or lifts tees boxers or something like that i can't remember exactly but like that's and that sets up the whole of the like their story right it kind of sets it up you know he would accept sexual advances from Mork. It's just clear in their chemistry that he's way into him and that he accepts Mork in the driver's seat, in a sense, and so we would probably be open to it. Yeah, and, and the only the only thing that happens, and I can't recall, like, I tried to, to look at it before this, but I can't recall exactly, and maybe our listeners can remind us, but I know that Mork gets... Gets actually gets in the car. You're talking about driver's seat. I think he gets in the car with T, and and T sees that he has condoms, 
and he gets upset. But the reason he gets upset is, I think it is because he, if I recall correctly, something like he wants, he wants to have sex, but he doesn't want to be pressured and he doesn't want to do it there. You know, like he, he just, he didn't feel it was the right time, but it wasn't like, I don't want to have sex with you or I'm afraid of sex. Because sex is bad. Right. Because no, it was a personal, bad. it was personal reticence because of where the character is at. And that's organic to the story. Yeah, and that and that's another thing too. I mean, I think writers could add this to the story. I mean, they could have characters that are uh, not interested in sex or characters who are shy. Yeah, make it sex. an ABC after school special. Yeah, is it time to have sex? Are you ready to have sex? If you're not, you don't have to. <laughs> okay, so what about another example of a, let's say, a series that has that same issue that we see so in fish upon the sky p is reticent about sex because for the whole series because he's reticent about being in love with mork at all so yes okay it makes sense at the end in the very last episode it gets bad and it has this again this is sort of societal sex is bad thing they're in p's bedroom no one else is around and mork is you you need a sponge bath and he's uh, and he takes off P's clothes one by one, and P resists. And okay, I can get it. Like he's tired, he's sick, he doesn't want to have his clothes taken off. I get it. Um, but then uh, his brother comes home, and it it makes this whole thing like not like oops, sorry guys, uh, I'll you know come back later or something like that. It's this whole thing like I'm going to beat you up mork because you're trying to have sex with my brother and that's completely bad and i should stop you from having sex with my brother like what does he think is happening when they're happening when they're alone <laughs> um, yeah that was kind of weird it, it, it's again this sort of victorian stereotype that sex is bad and then later in the last 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 scene where p is giving mork uh, dental work cleaning his teeth and mork mm. is recumbent in the dentist chair mork wants to kiss him and p is like no and it's supposed to be cute. And then they do kiss. Okay. But it's supposed to be cute interplay with the characters. One is like, come on, let's kiss. The other was, no, do. And that's supposed to be cute. But it's, for me, it relies on a social more that kissing is bad or inappropriate or that, of course, P would resist. You would too. So, but that makes no sense to me at all. If I were doing that, of course, I'd lean down and give my boyfriend a kiss. So it plays on a on a social trope that I feel doesn't exist or is unnatural. But I do know that Thai Thai society can be conservative, and Thai media has to walk a certain line. So I wonder if they're playing on something that's understood in Thai society. If there's someone who's better versed in Thai society and social mores, I would love to have your comment. Yeah, and I me too because I think that's one thing that that I'm very curious about is how how many times we we are to some degree like applying our own social mores and our own framework let's say yes to these ethnocentric yeah we are yeah we're doing i mean you when you are analyze this this type of work you have to take into consideration the so the social paradigms of that society right and that it may important. well be so it may well be so. And if it is the case, then I want to say, as an LGBT rights activist, and as someone who has had Thai friends and slept with Thai men, that <laughs> it is a, uh, an unrealistic social role created by society, that the notion that men 
and same-sex men should shun sexual affection and public displays of affection, even private displays of affection sometimes in these series, that that is weirdly unnatural. Yes, and, and you know, it brings brings me to a, a, a topic that I wanted to, to talk about. There's something that has always bothered me about, about Tybee. I don't know about you, but when, when I first kiss a man, right, when I had that opportunity of kissing a man for the first time, I remember it was like, the genie in the bottle, you know, it's like, yes, it was this amazing experience. Like I had kissed before, I had kissed woman before and never kissed a man before. I mean, theoretically it's the same, right? I mean, just tongues and whatever, but that feeling, you know, of, of being able to kiss a guy for the first time, I mean, it just took me, I mean, it's, it's undescribable, you know, and and I just, it's yeah. absolutely like like when you hold magnets together uh, yeah. and and you can feel them uh, attracting to each other and you hold them close and they kind of tickle your fingertips you know that feeling yeah. that's what it feels like for me it wasn't a kiss it was the first time i was with a guy uh was in venice during carnevale and i had met this austrian fellow in the streets in the rain in the middle of the night and we went back to my pension and we wiped the makeup off each other's faces because it's carnevale when everyone's in costumes and makeup and then we climbed into bed and we turned towards each other and my hand went on his hip and his hand went on my hip and that feeling that i just described with the magnets and then you add the warmth of human skin and that just filled every nerve cell in my body and it transported me to the heavens it was unlike any other feeling yes i mean you're right i mean touching the guy like just just even smelling him like just being able to get that close that i could smell his perfume you know like it's it just it, it's it's just indescribable and and to me here here is where i think bl show is uh is threats you know almost um that that we know that that you know women are writing this and and i think it doesn't matter how embedded you are in the bl community as a woman you know if you're a straight woman if you're not a gay a, a lesbian or you know a queer woman i don't think you can understand this you know like i think because you know society is imposing imposing these expectations from you and you are you're doing everything that society tells you to do and you're not feeling anything and then all of a sudden you do this and you you have this you know awakening it is undescribable and i think that one of the issues i have with tyvl you know as as amazing as it is and as much as i like all these stories is that it is very unrealistic when it comes to to the queer experience and specifically it doesn't really portray very well that first experience because i don't the uke should not pull back when the semi meets the uke and, and when they're touching when they're kissing that should just it should ignite the bedroom of fire away. you know yeah it should take yes. the breath away it should be such an experience and there has been very few series that have portrayed that i mean very yes. very few yes i'll give you two that did it okay one where they got the kiss right and we're planning a podcast about kissing in general so i won't go deeply into this but again bad buddy the brand new one, Om and Nanon got the kiss right. Uh, when Om kisses Nanon first, uh, it was real, and then they break apart, and then Nanon goes in for a second one and pulls him to it, and that is the UK 
feeling that he's been turned on, the lights are on, the switch has been thrown, the energy is there, and you cannot help yourself. You, you want more. You're pulled into the experience, and, they, and that scene portrayed it for me. And the other one that I felt really got it right, the affection, the kissing, the sex, all of it was very much how I experienced it, and that was Game Boys from the Philippines. Bravo, Game Boys, especially the last episode when they're in bed and that sort of special little after episode. They got the kiss right. They got the sex play and the thing that happens in bed right. Yeah. Like, Everything so, about Game so, Boys so, is, Very yeah. realistically. Yeah, I, I agree. Game Boys is, is the one that probably is, is the most realistic. And you, it's kind of funny because Game Boys... It, they do play with the with the with the stereotypes, right? They play with the uke and semi dynamics, and the uke there, which is uh, Cairo, right? Cairo yeah. actually pulls back in the beginning. He's like, "Oh, don't kiss me." Supposedly because of COVID. I mean, the, he's worried about COVID. But even even after he knows that Gabriel is negative, he still has a little bit of resistance. You know, it's not a lot, and it's not like a big deal. He doesn't make a big deal out of it. But it's just subtle enough that you can see the semi uke dynamic at play, but not enough, or it takes you out of the story, right? And I, I think that's one of the things I like about Game Boys. And it comes from you're right, and it comes from the relationship. It may be because Gabriel's character has had a past. There was this whole thing with the other guy, and uh, we have to make the point here that part of this difference is because Filipino BLs seem to be telling gay stories, not straight men in same-sex situations for the sake of a young female audience. I was going to say Game Boys was written by, by a, a guy. Yeah, and it's not the first Filipino series that really had the gay viewpoint as the gay viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, and Tybee, a Tybee that did it right, I'm trying to think. I, I really like my tea in that sense, even though it's like people didn't like it. A lot of people criticized it. I, I think my tea felt very realistic. From the yes. beginning to the end, to me, it felt very realistic. I, I it would was say in a genre one like of the most queer ones. Like, sorry, I, I think you're, I, I think you're exactly right. And it was interesting because Mork's character arc was kind of his coming out. Yeah, he started off seeming more gay, sort of like Ern's character in the Waterboys movie. Like they both sort of went on this journey, were kind of showing signs of being gay. Like they both sold gay porn. Well, one sold gay porn, one bought gay porn. But you know, through the through the arc of the story they got comfortable with the fact that they were gay and were in love with a man and it was yeah. very right it was very organic i put uh, my tea in the same kind of realistic filming with category with uh, lovesick make it right and love by chance are sort of more the more theatrical goofy bl style lovesick and my tea were more of the gritty real natural style yeah, I love. I think my tea especially has a lot of interesting things, and one of these days maybe we could do a podcast on on the early BLs and and maybe even talk a little bit about about my tea. Yeah, I would like to bring it back to the beginning. So, would you say, based on on what you have then seen so far with with Thai BL, first of all, is is this uke shyness a reticence uh, towards sex? Is this unique to Thai BL? I don't think it's unique to Thai BL. I think that is because Thai BL is so prolific that that's where we have the richest examples of it. Uh, but I've seen it in other societies that have heavy moral and religious coding. Yeah, um, and they definitely... Korea and Japan and Taiwan are all very industrial and post-industrial societies uh, that have sort of thrown off the 
social imprimatur about refraining from sex. Although in Korean BLs, you may not see them avoid kissing and sex saying, ew, stop that. They just don't have it in the storyline at all. It's like it just doesn't, it's not even a question because they don't even approach each other in that way. Well, that's interesting. I haven't seen enough, I think, Korean BL to, to judge. But I would say the other thing that we can say. I so, wag my finger at you, sir. Yeah, I know. I, I know. It's one of the things I have to do. I just don't have enough time. But I'll get a week off. You're not allowed to, you are not allowed to use the Coke machine in the break room in the clinic until you've watched more <laughs> Korean BLs. Well, I, get a, I, I do get a break during Christmas. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely uh, delve deep into case studies, you know, so I'll do case studies of Korean BLs and case studies of Thai BL. And I have a couple of Japanese BLs. I have the Takumi-kun series there for my case studies. So I will be ready I for rounds next next time. Yeah, I'll be ready for rounds. <laughs> Dr. Fish is going international, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing I was going to mention is we can bring it back also to this idea that it is definitely a, a heteronormative concept that gets overlaid on top of the Thai BL story structure, narrative and character development Thank or you. character. It is an, exactly. It's another time when we find ourselves on the road questing for realistic same-sex relationships in Thai BLs. Yeah. And which, you know, as you point out, it comes from Yaoi, which is a very particular audience, usually young females. And so are we asking to change the genre in a way that is inappropriate to the origins of the genre? I feel that we are, and I feel that that's evolution, and I'm comfortable with it, and I'm completely open to arguments in the other direction. Yeah. What and do you think? I think? I think it is evolving, and I think when I look at the Philippines, that's where I see the future of BL. Like I, not, not in the sense that I see the future in the Philippines, but I see the way they craft their stories, I think that's the future of BL. I think they do a very good job of balancing the aesthetics, the, the aesthetics of, of BL, what we're used to seeing, right? What BL looks like. But they bring in the queer perspective and they do a very good job of balancing that with those elements that we're so used to seeing. And so it is familiar, but at the same time, it is new and it is also different and it is also more genuine. And I know, I would say, I definitely would put their Game Boys and Boys Lockdown for sure. Those two. I haven't seen Gaia Sapelicula, uh, uh, Gaia Sapelicula, but I have heard it's, it's also kind of in that category. Yes. And that this this one, this spin-off from Gaia Sapelicula called Meet Me Outside. I think those are realistic. Yes, I agree. In fact, uh, I think sexuality is embraced in those. Yeah. Well, this is another topic, but um, bring it to back on topic. I think that the the point is that these ukes, you know, and how they behave, you know, and whether you have a real uke or whether you cannot even tell if there is an uke in this story, that that does vary by by region, by by uh, country. So when we're talking about this uke reticence, you know, we see more in Taiwan than anything else. My my question was where you think you see it in Vietnam, where you think you see it in Japan, in Korea, in the Philippines. Definitely not in the Philippines, right? That's something we can agree. I kind of want to ask you about Japan because I haven't watched enough Japanese modern BL. I have watched very old stuff, but you have watched some of the more modern stuff. What do you think? In Japan, the uke reticence, 
now that we've diagnosed it, we've given the disease a name. Yes. Uh, the uke reticence comes out of the character's situation, and that goes back to the origins of Yaoi. Take cherry magic, for example. The uke there finds himself freaking out at times that there are suggestions of sex. He, because he's, first of all, he's surprised to find himself attracted to the semi in the first place. So when the semi like, tries to make an affectionate move or touches his hand or something, he kind of freaks out. Um, and it's not because sex is bad, and it's not because sex is inappropriate. It's because he thought he was straight, and he's surprised to find himself in this position where he is falling in love with uh, someone that he didn't expect to fall in love with. And he has this whole thing because he can read the guy's thoughts. Uh, he has this whole sort of other thing going on where he sort of freaks himself out anyway. So it comes, and, it, and it's very funny. He's the actor did a wonderful job at making this like perpetually freaked out guy, and so that's where his come from. It come from the character and the character situation. It's organic to the story. You've put me on the spot here to come up with to to rifle through all of the Japanese BLs I've watched to see if there's any unnatural or society or morals prone uke reticence, and I cannot think of one. No, that's, In Takumi-kun that's series, it's all because of what happened to him with his brother, uh, and none of it is because of this weird, you know, you should be shy about sex because it's sex. None of that. Yeah, but it's interesting then, and, and, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about kind of going back to Taibiyo, but I think that it's interesting because it brings me back to this idea that where Taibiyo derives, in part, is not just Jawi, but also Thai lacorns, right? Thai lacoons, lacorns. They, I think they, they pronounce it as lacoons. So the idea that, that the woman has to put up a fight, let's say, you know, and not, not give herself easily to the man, right? Is this tension that they, they have in this story where the man sometimes ends up raping the woman comes from, yeah. from these Thai lacoons. I mean, they, they call, they're called uh, kiss, slap kiss Thai lacorns. And so... cricket. That yeah, weird. it's weird, but but yeah. So they 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 slap kiss, you know. They slap them, they slap the woman, and then they kiss them, and then they end up falling in love. It's very weird, but that's the formula that they use in that country. And so in you know, that sense, if I were to watch one of those, I would need to call a feminist friend immediately after to scrape it out of my brain. Yeah, I know. I I have never watched a straight out uh, slap kiss one, but. I, I think we get some of that in Thai, like I said, we get it in Thai BL, and there are a couple of Thai BLs that are falling that category. I think probably the most famous one is the example of Love by Chance and second or tertiary couple, let's say, where there is rape and, you know, and they end up falling in love, I guess, in the, in the Wait, second Love by Chance. Wait, who rapes who in Love by Chance? Huh? Who rapes who in Love by Chance? Well, my point was that we see that in, in Thai Lacorns La too. So... Mm. That's, you know, like... You show yeah. me a woman outside of the fetish kink community who likes getting slapped and then kissed. <laughs> I know. Like, find her so, for me. Where is that? That's a unicorn. It's, it's weird. As you call they, these series La Unicorns. I, I think it's a very bad thing. And I think, I think it actually tells you a little bit about where the society is in terms of gender equality. So anyway, but I don't well, want to. It, it sounds like a movie. It sounds like a movie from the 1950s where they were all written and produced by men, and men assumed that that was something like you know where, where they had these horribly weird stereotypes of who and what women were and how women worked, and that women would appreciate that sort of thing. It's the same society that said it's okay to spank your wife if she doesn't obey you. 
I think Tyviel is reactionary to those types of lacorns. It's like women are reacting well, to sense. it and they're creating their own fantasy. It makes sense. Look how many series portray the parents having, you know, their word is law and the children are absolutely subservient to whatever the parents say and wish them to do. And if there's an accusation of being unfilial, the child is immediately chastened and embarrassed and humbled. You know, the examples of that would be uh, uh, my gear, your gown. Yeah. So a society that, you know, a society that still has that going on, uh, that kind of rigidity in its uh, roles and its social roles and structures, I can well imagine that they have a codification that you're not supposed to want sex. Yes. So that and that's a good point, and that's something that that I think it, it's it's important to. But any any closing thoughts on this disease, and and any closing thoughts on this this problem? I do have to I do have to give a caveat and an apology. A lot of what I have spoken uh, in my commentary tonight has been from an American point of view. I am white, I am American, and and I come from a certain LGBT, extraordinarily gay, sex-positive background. So I may be absolutely ethnocentric in my commentary on Thai society, on Thai social and sexual mores. I believe that there are rigidities in some societies that are not constructive, and I will stand by those arguments. But at the same time, I do have to acknowledge that it is not my place to judge and condemn an entire society for uh, something that I object to that may be found in it, and that I may be completely misunderstanding and completely applying my perspective in an inappropriate way to something happening in a society other than my own. I think for me, I would say that this is a non-judgmental clinic. We don't judge anything. We only have opinions, right? And our opinions are not final judgment. They are just opinions, professional opinions, but they're opinions. And when it comes to TIVL, I think that as consumers of, of TIVL, we do have a, a right and we have a almost a duty to speak and critique and talk about the things. But we have no option but to do that from our perspective which is western which is you know in your case like you say you're white my case in my case i'm latino so for us it we're speaking from a very unique perspective having said that it doesn't mean that we're we're judging it we're just giving an opinion and that we are also wishing to some degree that the things that we want to see in tybl like things like maybe more queer representation, maybe a little bit more, less rape, and, and we want to see maybe more... Uh, more realistic more reactions depictions, to propositions yeah. of sex. <laughs> yes, all of that. I mean, all of that are just... It's like a wish list that we want to put out there that we're hoping that maybe TIEVL evolves that way because we still like TIEVL for what it is. And it is wonderful that Thailand has given us these, these stories with this very specific uh, aesthetic that that is beautiful, that is makes us feel good. That has allowed us to see our own stories, our own experiences on the screen, to see them done with high production values and to fulfill some fantasies of ours that we have longed to witness. But other and than as that, always, yes. What? As always, dear listeners, if there's something that we've said that you find completely egregious, that you disagree with vehemently, or that you have an added comment, 
please do leave comments for us wherever you clicked on the link to listen to our podcast. We would love to hear what you have to say. Yes, leave comments on Anchor or you can leave comments on, on Facebook. If, if you see the link on Facebook, uh, I would love to hear what you have to say. Also, you can yeah. leave them in the downstairs men's room of the Delta Terminal in LAX in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, I'm there frequently. I'll find them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VL Clinic. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep watching VL and support your actors. But please, don't obsess too much. That's right. Remember to be a fan, but not infatuated. So we hope you enjoyed our work, and we'll see you back in the clinic. Cough, cough. <laughs>